0: This is The Varsity, a sports podcast from The Record North Shore, your nonprofit local news site. The Varsity is presented by the Illinois Bone and Joint Institute. With more than 150 fellowship trained physicians in every orthopedic specialty and dozens of locations across Chicagoland and the suburbs, IBJI is your choice for patient focused orthopedic care. To find the nearest location, visit IBJI.com.
1: Howdy folks and welcome to the latest episode of the Varsity Podcast, a podcast where we discuss everything involving North Shore high school sports. I'm Michael Dwojek here with the record North Shore founding members Joe Coglin and Mark Carlino as we get you set up for the Dog Days of Summer uh, podcast where uh, we got some stuff to talk about, but we are looking forward to days where uh, we'll have a lot of uh, stuff to talk about this upcoming fall and that's happening in a few weeks, but I get there one more week ahead. So in this week's episode of the podcast, we're going to do a uh, two-half format. Um, in the first half, we're just going to get you all caught up on the latest uh, testing news or um, how Nutria is going to be handling uh, COVID-19 and the Delta surge right now and how that could affect uh, sports in the upcoming fall season. And also, we're going to give you a better rundown of what happened to Maggie Shea at the Olympic Games. And then the second half, we're going to look forward to the fall season with fall practices having started. We're going to look forward to some uh, athletes that we want to see um, compete this upcoming fall. But before we do that, just a reminder that you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere that they're available. Make sure you guys are reaching out and subscribing. You can reach us at uh, Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Android, anywhere you can listen to podcasts. We are there. So Why don't we get things started by getting down to uh, the business side of things and uh, what we are looking forward to this upcoming fall and how we are going to uh, handle um, getting back to play um, in the middle of a surge where we've talked about the Delta variant and how it might be affecting um, the upcoming sports schedule. Um, The school board is supposed to meet on Wednesday night. We're recording this Wednesday afternoon. Um, and act upon uh, some mitigation strategies, recommendations that have been taken. Um, some, some include staying home with symptoms, vaccination, social distancing, mask wearing, and COVID uh, testing. So um, guys, I know you guys have looked down at the recommendations and what they're going to be talking about on Wednesday night. But um, based on what you know and what you've read, how do you feel like this is going to impact the upcoming fall season for uh, area high school sports?
2: Yeah. So you, you prefaced it really nicely, Michael, by saying that we're recording this before the board of education meets tonight. So there is a chance that some of this could change, um, given that these right now are just recommendations from new Trier's administration. And that uh, of course, after the board meets tonight, that could change in, in some capacity, but um, right now we're going to go based off this official memo from Nutria Superintendent Paul, Dr. Paul Sally. Um And the, the, the surprising thing, and you, uh, you mentioned it, Michael, was that um, students who have not provided proof of their COVID-19 vaccination to the district and are participating in any extracurricular, so sports obviously included in that, will be required to undergo weekly COVID-19 testing. So. Um, The same goes for uh, staff members at Nutrier who have not provided proof of vaccination. So that one, I would say, caught me a little bit by surprise because this is the kind of first we've seen of this from one of our local school districts implementing this. But um, I would say that this could have a similar effect on the sports season that it did uh when when we last saw play and when we last saw sports action um in kind of that that summer uh season and athletes at that point were still undergoing testing while they were in school um particularly at Nutrier with Nutriers um safeguard saliva screening program where in order to come to school in person they were required to take part in that and um, that was very similar to the testing program Uh, that they'll be adapting for unvaccinated individuals. So if a positive test came back from that screener program, then it resulted in uh, necessary quarantines and then uh, started to have an effect potentially on sporting teams because those individuals would be required to um, step away from the team, obviously. And then depending on close contacts and quarantines, that would result in potentially games being canceled or postponed. So I think it could result in a similar effect, Um, but hopefully with the, now with there being uh, many more students, hopefully vaccinated, uh, hopefully there will be a lesser effect than we've seen that that, than we saw last year.
0: Yeah. I just, um, I'm with Marty that it's, it's going to affect things, but um, we can't pretend that COVID isn't guiding us here on what to do. COVID's affecting things, not the precautions we take to help mitigate the spread. Um, I think we got to keep that in mind. You know, I think there's going to be maybe, maybe some people who are upset or um, frustrated that player X or Y or team X or Y gets quarantined or, or out of a game or out of a week um, because of this testing protocol if it goes into place. But that, they have covid these are measures that are proven and, and to keep us safe to stop the spread to mitigate the spread and slow it down especially with a more dangerous delta variant going around that affects kids um at least get they, they can catch it easier have improved proven to so far i i think it's just going to be part of part of what we live with this year and i don't know if there's too much we can do about it we're living with covid and doing our best to still toe that line between um, safety as well as uh, keeping the activities and the things we love and the mental health that we so need, um, and I think we're doing that. And this is a safe way to do it. Um, I think if we can do it with these safe mitigations in place. We have to expect some disruptions, um, and I think it'll happen. Um, I think it's a foregone conclusion, really, that some—I mean, somewhere there's going to be a um, a quarantine team or a canceled week in Nutrier. Hopefully there's not in Loyola, but I, I there, there might be, I think it's a good bet that there will be with um, the surge going on right now. And we just have to do what we can to protect our community. And I think that's going to be part of it from here on out. Hopefully we were able to get a grasp on things soon, but clearly not yet.
1: So is this something that affects indoor sports more than it does outdoors or is this going to be kind of a universal uh, thing? What do you guys think?
0: Man, that's that's a tough call. Um, Indoors will have mass. Outdoors obviously are outdoor. Um, So less spread. I think a lot of what what you're going to see, in in my opinion, and I think some studies has shown this last year is a lot of extracurricular um, student athletes or whether it's clubs or whatever, brought it from somewhere else, didn't necessarily get it while they're playing the game or competing or, uh, you know, being in that activity. They didn't get it while they were there. They got it somewhere else and brought it in. So I don't know if it's going to affect either one more severely than the other. It's just kind of some, a matter of unfortunate circumstance that's going to lead to a student or a team getting,
2: uh, getting dinged here. Yeah, it's hard to say in that sense. And I think Joe summarized it effectively. An interesting, um, point of discussion to to note here as well. And we talked about it either last week or the week prior to that, but um, we don't know what the protocols, what the quarantine protocols in place are going to be. And I think that's going to have potentially the most impact out of anything on the fall sports season, because it's going to determine who is a close contact and who Um, will then have to go into quarantine if a a positive COVID-19 case arises and how many. That was, I think, the issue with um, some of the sports last year that we saw one or two positive cases of COVID would then result in the entire team or close to the entire team and possibly other teams then uh, who were practicing in similar areas or who were around that positive case. Then had to then go into quarantine as well. So, um, depending on what that guidance states, and that's going to come from the Cook County Department of Public Health, and Nutria will follow that guidance. Depending on uh, what comes forward in that end of things, is going to de- is going to determine, in my opinion, how significantly um, I think positive cases of, of COVID will affect sports. So we we're talking about new Do we know
1: what Loyola's plan is as of right now, what they're planning on doing? Is it a similar situation or are they going to be doing things uh, a little bit differently?
0: I think we know that they, um, updated their guidance. Uh, I guess their, their policy, once they got the mandate from the state, just like everybody else that they will require masks indoors. Um, I don't think we've heard anything. Marty correct me wrong about
2: extracurriculars or um, athletics. No, you're, you're spot on right there, Joe. The latest that we had reported is that, as you mentioned, they they reinstated their mask mandate, and that's not just for students, that's for staff and all visitors inside campus grounds. So um, as of right now, I still believe outside at Loyola masks are not required, but inside, anywhere inside the campus um, mass required for everyone, regardless of, of vaccination status. Uh, and that aligns with the governor's mandate, as you mentioned. All right,
1: well, we'll keep you guys updated on everything that's going on with the latest information. Make sure you check out the recordnorthshore.org to check out the latest from that board meeting at New Trier and see um, whether what we talked about was true, whether they're going to change things up on Wednesday night. But before we move on over to the second half, we mentioned last week, um, talking about um, Maggie Shea and her um, Olympic, uh, drama, um, in Tokyo. We, uh, talked about it. We weren't hundred percent sure, but now we're hundred percent sure, um, as to what happened, uh, thanks to some reporting and Joe, um, I know you mentioned there was even uh, a statement to talk about, but, um, so how much did we actually get right last week and how much was there still up for debate?
0: I think we were really close. Just, you know, some nuance with how these rules are, uh, um, enforced and then applied um, to final scores and things like that, I think was a little, we weren't sure about of course, and how would we be? We're not, um, sailors. I don't know if you guys have a background on the open water, but no, I do not. So, um, we got some clarity. We had, uh, our, um, our intern Elaine Trinko who did the original interview with Maggie followed up and, and kind of scoured, um, all the, all the material out there for what exactly happened. And, um, here's what happened. There are two rounds in the sailing um, competitions In the one Maggie's in Maggie and her partner, Stephanie Roble, um, 12 races in the first set. And that's to get to the medal round. Um, you take your best 11 scores. You get to drop one out of that 12. So, uh, Maggie and her, um, teammate were doing great by race 10. Um, they were in sixth place, I believe. So they were, they were, um, in great shape to advance to the metal round top 10 advance. Um, and then in that 10th race, they received a penalty flag uh, for maneuvering their bodies in a way that propelled the boat. Or that's, that's what the judges said. It's rule 42. So uh, they've never gotten that penalty before, according to Shea and Roble, but they did on that one. So that moved them down the 14th place in that race, kind of dinged their score a little bit. Then on the next race, they ran into a marker. They touched it, which you're not allowed to do. It's an inflatable checkpoint in the water that you round and they, they ran into it. So um, when that happened, they were called for another penalty. Then they did not move out of the way of the action in the correct manner, which led to a disqualification for the judges. They didn't realize the disqualification, so they finished the race. But because of that, they ended up in the last. So those were the two main penalties. What really stopped them from getting um, into the medal run was because of those two main penalties, they were forced to take that zero in that race in the 11th race where they hit the mark and got a zero and were disqualified in some cases you're able to drop that zero because you only take 11 scores but the judge ruled it was uh it was a score they had to take so they could not it's called the do not exclude so uh, they were not allowed to drop it that dropped them down to 12th place only a couple i'm sorry 11th place just three points off the 10th place score the qualifying score so if they were able to drop that 11th race from their scoring, they would have reached the medal round, but they weren't, they didn't, they had to go home. So I hope that explains it um, a little bit. I do have a statement from Maggie that she sent to us. While we are somewhat disappointed to walk away from the Olympics in 11th 11th place, I am so proud of how we prepared and raced We left it all out on the water i promised myself going to the olympics that i would not define success by our finishing place because so many things were out of our control an inherent dynamic of sailing i am proud of what we accomplished in the last five years for example bringing home a bronze medal from the world championship and reaching a world rank of fourth i am proud of how we grew as athletes and people we ended this campaign mentally tougher physically stronger and far more mature than we started and for those reasons i have no regrets i've learned that in sports you need to take the good with the bad and compete because you love the process and the journey not the end results she also thanked a lot of people after that but that's the statement maggie gave us about her and um stephanie not being able to advance so we were close but those are a little more details and um just some tough luck yeah obviously
1: tough luck especially for uh like she mentioned in her statement working five years to get to this moment obviously some miscommunication as well but um that's how it happens and uh Um, hopefully that they can uh, get back from it and learn from it and obviously compete moving forward in some world championships and even maybe in 2024 at the next games. All right, we're going to move on over now to the second half. But before we do that, let's give a quick thanks to our sponsor, the Illinois Bone and Joint Institute. They have many locations in the Chicago area, so make sure you check them out, move better, and live better. All right, this week, fall practices have started. All our teams are out there competing, doing tryouts, or um, some teams are like the golf teams are actually going to get started on Friday and Monday. So we've got some competition to look forward to. Um, so I thought, why not look forward to the fall? What, what athletes we're looking forward to seeing and uh, looking forward to what kind of teams and uh, storylines that we're looking forward to. So um, why don't we go around and talk about some of the athletes that we're looking forward to seeing. Marty, why don't you start?
2: So I think we're each going to run through um, about two or three here. So I'll kind of just start out one at a time. But first, uh, I'll start out with Spencer Werner, the cross-country runner from Loyola Academy. I think all three of us had a chance to, to see him run last year. And um, I think the what's most exciting is just to see how much he's grown in this junior to senior year um, leap forward here. Because we saw kind of throughout the cross-country season last year about how he how Ian he improved each race after race. And then I believe by the sectional, um, the sectional last fall, he finished in the top eight or nine of that sectional. So, um, we've also seen him then compete in some competitions in the off season. I believe he was in the Nike national race and finished in the top 10 there as well. So expecting big things for him. And, um, last year, I know we had a chance to cover Loyola quite a bit and they, um, kind of were a little bit top heavy in their, in their roster. So I think this year coming forward, uh, a little bit more balanced throughout and uh, Werner, I think is going to be the leader of that group. And I think we'll see him challenged to win the individual sexual sectional and uh, possibly make some noise at the uh, state championships at the end of the season. So I'm really looking forward to seeing the growth from him.
0: Joe, how about you? Yeah, uh, I'll start out um, on, in an indoor sport here. I'm going to start with volleyball at Loyola and Mia McGrath, who's a senior, rising senior, going to Clemson. And um, Loyola had a nice team last year. They had some good pin, pin hitters with her and Josie Fransic. And now it's Mia's show. And Mia proved a lot. Um, she was somebody who defenses have to account for. Um, she had some big games last year, double-digit kills when it mattered, Um, I think she's somebody you're going to have to get two and sometimes three blocks up on. Um, She's, uh, she's extremely athletic, um, good all around player. Um, Obviously she's going to Clemson. So um, big time program. I just think uh, Mia McGrath is going to uh, show out this year for the Ramblers. Um, And even if they lost um, some major seniors um, to graduation, they did. um, I think she's going to keep them right at the near top of the Catholic league. So watch out for Mia.
1: All right, Um, I think I'm gonna mention a couple of uh, swimmers, a swimmer and a diver um, for new trier. And that's going to be uh, Kaylin Gridley. She's a senior now. She won the 100-yard backstroke at last year's sectional um, and was a good uh, Robin um, to um, Greta Pelzik's fat man. She finished third in the 200-yard individual medley last year too. Um, so obviously she's got a lot of, uh, good experience looking forward to, and, uh, she competed well at last season, kind of weird season, and especially at last year's sectional. So looking forward to what she can do. And also looking forward to what Sydney Holder can do. Uh, she won the diving sectional last year, um, pretty handily. And, um, I remember talking to, um, Nutriere's coach about how, uh, she, despite all the diving All-Americans they've had in the past uh, Sydney is really someone to look forward to. So, um, swimming, I know they're losing a lot, a bunch of seniors, but, uh, those two sw- uh, swimmer and diver are something uh, to look forward to with uh, nutri swimming and diving this upcoming fall. Let's go back to you, Marty.
2: Yeah, I'm going to go with, um, uh, Madison Lou for my second pick. Uh, as the kids like to say, Madison Avenue, uh, that was one of the first stories actually that, um, Joe reported on for the record is how she kind of earned that nickname of Madison Avenue, um, from the team. And I know all three of us had the chance to see her play last year and she was only a freshman last year. So, um, correct me if I'm wrong guys, I believe she was the individual sectional champ as well as new Trier's team being the sectional champs. Um, and that was obviously as far as things could go last year with the COVID shortened season. So, um, going in now as a, as a sophomore, I'd say that over her four-year varsity career, I think she'll win a state title, um, some point, uh, at her time in New Trier. Not sure if it's going to come this year, but maybe this is a year where she, um, starts to knock on the door and really, um, reaches some of the final levels of that state tournament. Um, and then she's maybe able to, to reach that ultimate goal in her junior or senior year, but, um, you know, just seeing her play as a freshman, uh, the, incredible. The thing that really jumped out to me was just her incredible speed from covering the entire court side to side. Um, she had a really great backhand, strong serve. So um, expect really big things from her this season.
0: Yeah, my number, I'm going to move to the gridiron. Um, although I, I love all these other sports, we're getting to um, such talent across the athletic spectrum that we're going to get to see this year. But moving to football. Um, I'm really excited to see Finn Cohen. Um, you know, a lot of talk about him on the football tight end, a lot of talk last year about, he was kind of rising in that, that prospect, someone to watch as a junior. And then in the, I believe it was the first game again, whatever game it was against Evanston, um, you know, he got, he got hit in the knee and he was out for about four games. It was only a six game season. So the majority of the season, um, and he came back and, and just, you know, um, was a target, but not a big one. I think, they're expecting some big things out of him. They have a good pass catching core, um, which is only going to help Finn's movement and ability to get open there in the middle of the field. I think they're going to do some things to get him open. Um, he's a big target. He's a very athletic. He's also a starter on the basketball team, um, just an athletic kid, um, big kid. And I think um, he's going to do some damage um, assuming he stays healthy, which uh, I, I feel like I shouldn't have even said that. I don't want to jinx you Finn. I'm sorry, but um I think what are you should, doing? I don't know. I feel <laughs> terrible. Um, I think they're gonna have a good team, and I think um, Finn Cohen's gonna be a huge part of that at tight end. Over under eight point five touchdowns for him. Joe. Oh my gosh! <laughs> tight ends, tight ends in college in, in high school are tough to predict, man, because um, it's just not an easy target for a lot of high school quarterbacks. Um, when you can run like he can run, though, yeah. <laughs> it's a little I, different. I'm going to say under, but I think a good six or seven touchdowns makes him an All-State-type player.
2: Eight. All
0: right. A lot of touchdowns.
1: <laughs> yeah, especially uh, in that season. Um, I'm going to shout out uh, Amy uh, Bean Blossom. She is going to be competing for uh, the Nutri-Girls uh, golf team this upcoming fall. She finished third last year uh, in the sectional behind, uh, Audrey Turr, who obviously graduated last season as a senior, but, um, she was just one stroke off of tying with her. So, um, obviously a big talent returning for new Trier, um, as they try to uh, keep on building on that success that they had recently. So, uh, make sure you are watching for her starting Friday when the team starts the season, um, at its invite. Mario, why don't we wrap up with, uh, you.
2: Yeah, I'm going to go back to Nutria football here and I'm going to go with Josh Kirkpatrick. Uh, A lot applies uh, to Josh as what Joe said related to Finn. I think together paired with Cohen, um, you know, Josh and Josh and Cohen together are going to be one of the uh, most lethal duos in the, not only in the area, but potentially in the state. And I think Nutria has the makings of a, a really dangerous offense and, how could I not say I'm looking forward to watching Josh after that spectacular catch last year against Glenbrook North. I think that was probably one of the best catches I've ever seen while covering high school football. And uh, the photo certainly doesn't, certainly does that catch justice and shows how uh, phenomenal of a catch it was. So I'm hoping he's got a couple more highlight reel plays in him for this season. He's a big target. He, became a huge part of their offense towards the end of the season last year. So going into this year, I expect he's going to be um, pretty heavily targeted. And uh, we've talked about it so many times before that, that, uh, that new church coaching staff likes getting the balls to their best, likes getting the ball to their best athletes. And he certainly falls into the category of, uh, one of their playmakers and their big-time athletes, so I think he's got a couple of uh, jaw-dropping moments in him this year, just like he had last year. So, looking forward to seeing what the the big wideout at Nutria can do.
1: All right, Joanne, you finish it up here.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm really looking forward to see loyal as um, tailback. I don't. I was going to say new, but he's not new. Um, you'll remember the name Marco Maldonado as the uh, the understudy to the extremely talented. Um, Oh my God. I forgot, help me. Pemberton. Vaughan? Oh my God. Vaughn Pemberton. I can't believe I totally had a brain, um, <laughs> a brain. Space. You good? Yeah. Vaughn Pemberton, all everything last year. And Marco Maldonado got in there occasionally too. Got some carries, got some scores, spelled uh, Pemberton from time to time. Not that he needed it. Um, but, uh, I think you're going to see something special from Maldonado this year. I think the coaching staff at the Loyola knows it. I think they're going to give him ball and space. I saw some great things last year out of the backfield in catching the football. Um, He's a little shorter than Vaughn, but he's still pretty stacked, pretty built. Um, You're going to see him burst through holes with a very serious lightning bolt of speed um, and just kind of uh, carry that. Um, into the second and third levels, and I think he's going to outrun a lot of folks right in that second and third levels, um, and and that lower center of the gravity, pretty shifty guy as well. So, uh, I got big. I, I I've actually been looking of ways not to talk so highly about him, but I really think he's going to be another all-stater there for Loyola. Over under
2: 8.5 touchdowns. I'm going to go with the over, <laughs> I,
0: unless they have a junior tailback, which they could. Who who's that talented that they're going to split? And maybe they both get eight. I got to go over. I'm going to say. I think you got to hammer the over on that. 10 10 to 15 tutties.
1: (laughs) Um, Obviously, a lot of stuff to look forward to. And obviously, you can tell our excitement that we're looking forward to uh, covering the fall season as the different sports begin. So that's something we're looking forward to. And we'll get to talking about more um, in upcoming episodes. But that's everything that we've got for this episode of the podcast. Just a quick reminder before we say goodbye that you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere that they're available. Make sure you uh, subscribe, give a nice review, what have you. Look at old episodes of the podcast as well. You can find us anywhere by just searching the record North Shore and you'll find us there. So for Joe, Marty and I, thanks so much for joining us this week and we will talk to you guys down the road.
2: Thanks for listening.
0: Thank you for listening to The Varsity, a product of the Northshore.org your nonprofit local newsroom. The Varsity is presented by the Illinois Bone and Joint Institute. With more than 150 fellowship trained physicians in every orthopedic specialty and mm-hmm. dozens of locations across mm-hmm. Chicagoland and the suburbs, IBJI is your choice for patient focused orthopedic care. To find the nearest location, visit IBJI.com.